The 630 Chad Afternoon News with Jaylen Nye and Andrew Gross. Weekdays at 2 on 630 Chad. Uh, on the show today, still to come, we have Cirque du Soleil tickets to give away. Don't forget that the. Uh, what is it? The draft? On uh, the, the entry draft. draft. No, no, the entry draft. So there's an expansion draft today. The right. entry draft on Friday. Correct. Um, full coverage, special coverage right here on 630 Ched starting at 4 on Friday afternoon. I feel like there should be uh, full coverage starting today on the expansion draft at uh, 4. <laughs> Again, I don't program the place. Yeah. I just show up when my shift starts. Literally. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, people, I think we're joking. We're not really. Not joking at all. No, No, that's that's the deal we made. Absolutely. (laughs) Somebody, that uh, Lions Campground uh, gig, right? For uh, it wasn't for Olga and Grant, but we knew Olga and Grant. Yeah, Grant. They'd gone on our list on the the trip with us, right? And uh, but the contact, who is a fan of the show, listens all the time. She uh, hired me to do it, and when I it was at a seven thirty show, and I showed up at seven o'clock. And she was like, so does the real Andrew Gross show up at 729? Or? <laughs> I see. Okay. Is that how that works? Huh? <laughs> For a comedy, I show up early because I, I like to look at the setup. I wish that there was a camera or a fly on the wall in that condo in New Orleans. <laughs> Which condo in New Orleans? When I received a phone call from Sid. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> That'll have to go in the book. You, you know, I, think re- the, I think the, the levels might have still been quite... <laughs> I agree to anything. We should write a book. Okay. Because you know how to write a book. You've written a book. That's and I, right. And I read one once. So, I mean, between the two of us... But it'll have to be after we're not here anymore. So after our retirement. Okay. Or whatever. Or whatever. <laughs> yeah. Just a, a book on, on a slice of life radio book specific to. Well, I think Bob Layton just finished doing that. He did, but I think his book, and I've not read it yet, um, I believe it's about how to do radio. No, no, no. All no? sorts of stories. Oh, yeah. really? Eh? Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, I've got a different set of stories than Bob. We hang out with a different crowd. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, uh, plus, I'm not still working here. So I, or I, or I, when I write the book, I would. You'd be still gone. Be yeah, that's right. Yeah. Hmm. That, would you? What would you say? Think about this, Chadville. If you were to write a book, yeah, what would your book be about? What, what would, would it the, be about? What would, what the, would title the title be? of it be? That's it. Texas six thirty six thirty. What's the title of your book? And having having written one, the title is so important. Um. To grab the interest. To grab the interest, kind of sum up what it's all about. But um, it's a tough one. Either they fall right into your lap, which Mm -hmm. ours did. It was actually a a quote from an, from one of the interviews, and I walked out of there and I turned to Terry and I said, "That's that's it." Really. Um, and other times I think you really have to struggle it because Terry has written another book. So this is the guy that I, Terry McConnell used to be at the Edmonton Journal, has written another book since then. And it's just in the process of coming out. And he had sent me a big, all sorts of questions and a bunch of people. Um, said, what do you think about this or this or this? It just wasn't coming easy. Hmm. Really? What would your what would yours be? Should have been here last week. <laughs> Should have been here last week. Every time you go to do a comedy club when you're in the Ooh, circuit or been here last Yeah, week. you walk in there's tell, uh, 10 people. Mm-hmm. Four of them are related to your opening act and the manager will say, "Oh, man, should have been here last week. Place was packed." <laughs> By the way, before uh we uh, get anywhere else, I said that you can't uh cycle on 
the anth- or sorry on the white mud. According to a texter, if you go to the city's uh, site, City of Edmonton oh. site, they say bikes are allowed on the white mud. That, uh, I don't think it's Melinda. a good idea to be on Still the white mud. Still not a good mud. idea. And I would imagine, I've rarely Anthony, ever, if ever, ever have seen a bike on the white mud. No, nor I, have That's I. why I thought maybe it wasn't allowed. Yeah. Anthony Henday would be different, of course, because it's not a city street. It's a provincial highway, right? So... I've seen uh, a couple of cyclists out there a couple of times, but mm-hmm. not very often. It's like, oh, you should probably get off this road. For Do sure. Do you want to talk about um, totally switching gears? Sure. No pun intended. Because <laughs> we were talking about bikes. Yeah. Um, about medical mistakes? Yeah, sure, if you want to. Typically, uh, I save this sort of story for the Big Blue Folder on, on Friday, Friday. But, but you're not going to be here on Friday. I'm going to uh, going to Vancouver to play the comedy mix, um, and both Carol's coming with me. Yeah. Both tickets are on Aeroplan, so both nice. tickets are free tickets, right? That's why Carol's coming because it's not because you're not getting anything. off your wallet, right? <laughs> and the hotel, of course, provided for uh, by the uh, comedy mix, so I don't have to pay for the hotel either. She loves Vancouver, loves the shopping. But I'm sure you probably heard uh, me at my desk texting Carol to say, check in online. Did you get the email? Check in online. Because they're free tickets. Mm-hmm. Now, we did already select our seats, but I want her to check in online. If I've learned nothing else in the last month or so here, uh, take every step you can to say that you're going to be on that flight. Although Air Canada has not been the one who's been, well, you know, at the, uh, there's been a few. There's been a few uh, isolated incidents. I saw a friend uh, was traveling today on Facebook. They said, "Oh, and here it goes." United asking for someone to be reaccommodated. <laughs> reaccommodated. What a great term. You want to talk about uh, medical mistakes? And you and I were just talking. Um, I know uh, I've mentioned before that when I did uh, the cataract <laughs> surgery. Sorry, I just read one of the titles. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good title. Can't say it on the air, though. No, Sorry. No. It's a certain type of storm. Um, they, uh, they, when you get your eyes done, they usually do one eye, and then you come back a few weeks later, and they do the second. Rarely do they do them both. Um, so when you go to do your eye, the uh, whatever you call the nurse that talks to you first. She says, what eye are you, Mm -hmm. what are you here for today? Uh, Cataract surgery. Which eye are we operating on? Point to the eye. Mm -hmm. And then they put a sticker above your uh, eyebrow to indicate that that's the right or correct eye uh, to be operated on. And I I know in a lot of places now over the years, like if you're having knee surgery, um, I pointed out the last time I had knee surgery to make sure that they knew it's this one, but I think they circle them now and all that sort of stuff. This poor guy, I feel so bad for him and we'll do this in an adult. um, Yeah, because this is uh, horrific. Now he's he's a 54-year-old man. His name is Stephen Hayes. He lives in Pennsylvania. Um, he was suffering chronic pain in his right testicle for mm-hmm. 15 years. Um, doctors tried everything, couldn't resolve the issue, and eventually came to the conclusion that the uh, best course of action would be to remove the mm-hmm. testicle. So he goes in for surgery. You know how this ends. They remove the left instead of the, the right. Wrong one. So now what he's left with is the testicle that's been in pain for all these years, and there are no options. You can't obviously put well, it back, right? Yeah. So, the option is is to keep it, deal with the pain, or remove it and be on um, testosterone and hormone therapy for the rest of his life. For the rest of his life. That Yeah. He'll have to do that. So he has sued the doctor. Uh, he's been awarded almost a million U.S. dollars. That's it. 
I thought it would be more. And, you know, um, sort of reading between the lines here in the judgment, it would seem that the judge was not impressed with how little the doctor cared that he had made the mistake. Yeah, like, oh, well. Yeah, his attitude was kind of like, hey, these things happen. I mean, it's, you know, again, not perhaps putting himself in the place of the patient who's now, you know, going to either be in chronic pain or need uh, those drugs for the rest of his life. But yeah, man, it was eight hundred and six hundred twenty thousand awarded for pain and suffering, and a further quarter of a million awarded in punitive damages. You hear stories of, you know, uh, bandages being left in or uh, an instrument being left instrument being left in. And I know it doesn't happen all the time, but it does happen. Mm-hmm. Um, I read some uh, word the other day about a fellow having the wrong kidney removed. Oh. So you have a bad kidney, you have a good kidney, and they've taken out the good kidney. You know, it's that just uh, is terror. That's a little terrifying. Wouldn't a surgeon be able to identify a perfectly healthy kidney? Uh-huh. Perhaps not. I mean, I'm obviously not a doctor, but you would think. You know, I, I, because I've heard of gallbladders being removed. I've heard of appendix being removed that are. In the imperfectly mm-hmm. healthy. Um, now, I've had my own gallbladder out, and it was not perfectly healthy, so I'm grateful to the... I mean, I'm grateful for individuals who are smart enough to learn how to do the things that they do. Because leave it to me to, to remove your gallbladder, and it's not going to happen. But <laughs> but you do wonder, though, how with all the protocol in a hospital and all how the... How it happens. Yeah, how does that possibly happen? And I know any... And maybe U.S hospitals different than Canadian ones. <laughs> I, it seems like almost everybody you talk to at a hospital asks you to confirm what you're there for. Okay. There's okay. just a lot of text coming in right now. Titles about, of books? Well, there's titles of books that we'll get to that, but someone said maybe they should have put a white X. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Welcome back to the program. We've been talking about a man in Pennsylvania who had chronic pain in one of his testicles for the better part of 15 years, had it removed by a surgeon. Uh, However, the surgeon removed the wrong testicle. He sued the surgeon, uh, received close to a million dollars in compensation, but he still has the problem he initially went to see the surgeon about. So we just asked... Again, um, I don't don't think a million dollars is near enough. No, it definitely isn't. Someone just texted in and said, is there no sense of responsibility among these surgeons and physicians that do these procedures? These are lives that these pros are affecting. And hey, 99.9% of them are, mm-hmm. are doing it right. And, you know, there's all sorts of surgeries being done in this city alone, like hundreds sure. of them a day. Um, but boy, oh boy, when it's a biggie. Ooh, that it's is a, biggie. a pretty... Uh, That's a biggie. Uh, it is. It's pretty important to a guy. We also asked you, we're kind of uh, uh, tandeming uh, two topics at the same time. What the name of your book would be uh, should you uh, write your book. And we're getting a lot of uh, great suggestions. Uh, making of an Oilman. Uh, this texture says... Uh, uh, the Visitor, it's uh, from Michael. He's written the book, actually. It's a journey in love. Nice. Um, My book would be called What the Goat? Uh, a Beaumontian story. Because they have goats out there, right? Don't they? <laughs> Isn't it a goat? I thought it was Fort Saskatchewan when they had the goats. They uh, had the goats well, in Beaumont, too. Maybe they moved over there. Uh, living and working. Oh, All About mm. Me. This book would be called All About Me. Living and working in long-term care in Alberta. Um, Short stories about living the through the bleep yeah. storm. Yeah. <laughs> uh, my book title would be, If It Was Easy, I'd Be Done Already. That's Sean. Uh, embrace Your Life Today. And nice. that one's the one that we can't read after that. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> but what happens after you drink too much? 
What, dot dot dot. So I'm told. Yeah. What? Um, can I ask? A, can I ask you a question, Jayla and I? Okay. Because oftentimes people do say the words. I should write a book, or you hear you should write a book, but you actually have written a book. Mm -hmm. So what are the steps to writing a book and getting it published? I mean, if I wanted to write a book about comedy or, or radio, or just, I wanted to write a book about my experiences, how, how do I start? Well, I think from, <laughs> yeah, that's the, you, you, you write the book. Write the better part. So you sit down in front of a laptop yeah, and stop writing. Start here's, writing. Here's the thing. What what, what we did is um, we we hired an agent to shop it for us. So a literary agent. A li uh, yeah, a, bu a book agent who um, could go to all of the publishing houses and and work on it and could could get a deal for us. So if you've never written a book, this literary agent goes to to publishing houses and says, this is who they are, yep. and this is yep. what the book's going to be about. Yeah. And then do you get a green light from a publishing house saying, yeah, if they write the book, we'll publish it? Or do they say we're interested? Well, yeah, they oftentimes want to see the first few chapters or they want to see parts of it. And I'm trying to remember now, because the book was published in 2009. So we did this in 2007, 2008. And I think we had started working on it. So we had some of it, we didn't have it have it all done because um, Peter Pocklington, of course, wanted to know mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You know, and everyone did too, because um, it's a lot of work for not very much money. Let me mm -hmm. let me tell you tell you that in the long run. But for us, it was more about the experience. So, and then it was a lot of back and forth, back and forth. We traveled back and forth. We did a lot of writing. We did a lot of writing, uh, rewriting. Um, then Terry would give it to me, and I would edit it. I would go through and question things and double check things, send it back to him. He'd rewrite it, all of that. Then it would go. Um, to the to the publishers, and it goes through their editors. And they have editors. All their yeah. copy, all of that sort of and stuff. Do they give you notes? Yeah, they give us. Yeah, they give you notes and uh, ideas, and uh, they they make mock-ups of what it will look like. They want to work with you on what you're going to put on the front of the book, what the title is going to be. Um, for us, they they want to see. Okay, well, you know what? You know, the, you know, big part of the story is Wayne Gretzky. Do you think he would write the foreword? And mm. we're like, okay. So then it's getting a hold of Wayne again and saying, Hey, Wayne, would you consider doing and, this? And, and are yes. they at this point writing any checks to you? I mean, if not till it's done. Not till it's done so and and the cost of actually printing the book the cost of the cover the f photography they do all of that they take care of yeah. all that once they so but we okay. we we paid for um you know you, all of the travel costs and and all of that that yeah mm -hmm. that went into it and mm. it, it was interesting because that wasn't our first book project that we were going to do terry and i had actually met at a remembrance day service um years back and our first book um idea was something completely different we worked towards it, and then that uh, it didn't happen. It, it fell through when we were getting very close when the book agent got involved. Um, and because the, the person who we were writing it with had some concerns about it, and that was fine. You mm -hmm. walk away from it. But, yeah, there's a lot of things. You look at the legal stuff, and you have to figure out, okay, so if the book is when the book is published who owns the rights to it right does who, who gets uh, i mean how does it work after that it goes into stores goes into stores and it gets sold it gets sold so are, are you being paid i know this is kind of personal but there's a lot of people who would like to write a book i think yeah. if 
does the publishing house order a certain number of copies from you and you're getting paid for that? That's right. And then it's their problem if they sell or don't sell. Yep. But then they would come back and order more or? Yeah, we ended up, um, ours ours sold out. It wasn't a huge run, but it uh, it sold out. And I think now you can still get it online, mm-hmm. um, an online version of it, but that was it. And so that initial run of the, the initial books was what we were paid to do. It's an interesting thing. Um, now I've been paid as a writer for television and there's a structure to that with the Writers Guild of Canada, and you'll probably be upset to learn um, how it pays, but if you have the designation as a head writer, you get $10,000 an episode. Mm -hmm. So um, when you look at the credits at the end of a show in Canada, so the guy who is listed as head writer gets $10,000. Everyone else is a contributing writer, and they get a share, and it's to degrees. So it could be $1,000, $2,000, it could be $500. But what tends to happen in Canada um, this is a pretty blanket statement, but I'll say what often happens in Canada. The producer, who's the guy who came up with... The executive producer is the guy who comes up with the money to make the project mm-hmm. work. So what he'll often do is make his wife or his kid the head writer so that they get the $10,000, and then they'll hire writers who then get the one or $2,000, or they'll simply name themselves the head writer. Yeah. Um, and the Writers Guild, they're all members of the Writers Guild. And as long as they attend writers' meetings, yeah. you know. I mean, television, newspaper, anything on uh, print is a little bit different. Yeah. But I'll, I'll be honest with you, with the money that we got, um, we split it. Um, Peter got half and Terry and I split the other half. Yeah. I mean, I'd like to do it because if for no other reason, and I don't need to publish a book for this, I used to keep a journal. If I wanted to go back and write, mm-hmm. and I, I, by the way, I must have 20 journals that take me all the way up to when my my career actually kind of took off and then I stopped writing in the journals mm-hmm. but I would love to go back and sort of summarize those for my kids but on the other hand I have the journals so and you can and you can find different public you can find like there's local publishers you can self publish there's all different ways to do it you don't have to find a, a major publisher mm-hmm. we found a major publisher right um, and because that was you the other major thing distribution yeah right? and then yeah. The, the other thing is is that our publisher ended up going out of business a couple of years later so mm. um, but yeah you can either if if you're lucky enough and Oftentimes, if you're, if you're, if if you have a, a, a reputation, like let's you know, like Margaret Atwood or someone like that, Dan Brown, there he's like, okay, this is you're getting a contract mm-hmm. to rate five books. Right. You know, Bohunks <laughs> from you know Edmonton weren't weren't getting that. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's a lot of work. Sometimes people write it all, write it all because that's what they're doing, and they're oh, I'm going to do it. Or you have an idea and you want to pitch it, so it's different ways. But oftentimes, yeah. there's a lot of um, starving writers out there. For sure, it's. Uh, I think it was George Burns that said of comedy, but it's true of um, writing as well. That uh, comedy is a lot like uh, riding a bicycle. Yeah. It's hard to get paid at it. Yeah, yeah. You know what? At the, at the end of it, did it once. Um, it was on my. It was on my list of things in my life that I wanted to do and I wanted to accomplish, and I've done it. Um, we we talked about doing another one, and we we talked to some folks about it. Never got that far, and now that we live far far apart, it's uh, it's a little bit more difficult. But mm-hmm. uh, I'm I'm good. I'm not sure I would need so to. So you do don't want to do a book with me? I don't know if we're able to work together. I'm not. I'm not mm. creatively. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure we'd mu- we'd muscle our way through it. I'm sure <laughs> we'd have to come up with the title for our book, though. Well, no, it would be if it's if it's a, okay. Are we talking about doing your book? No, and our you book. Needed a writer? Um, no, no. Put my book aside. Okay, our, our book. book. 
And maybe I, I don't want to take too much. Big of, red and T-bone. Yeah, I don't know. People would be like, is that a cooking book? Is that... I was thinking maybe the title could be, and perhaps this is too self-serving, the title could be, Don't Worry, He'll Be Here. Don't Worry, He'll Be Here. <laughs> I say that often. I know. People ask all the time. I know. The, the other one could be is, is Andrew coming in today? <laughs> <laughs> is he all right? <laughs> <laughs> Flying solo? <laughs> How are you two getting along? <laughs> the 630 Chad Afternoon News with Jaylen Nye and Andrew Gross. Weekdays at 2 on 630 Chad.